And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Here in Portsmouth with you on a Friday morning. It looks like the sun is trying to come out. Allison, what's it like in your neighborhood? <laughs> well, it, it's warm now. Didn't get much sleep from all that rain. I don't know about you, but uh, it's apparently now supposed to get cold. So what a delightful spate of spring weather oh God. we're having here. What a what a stretch we're in here. Thank God we're stuck inside. When do the locusts and, when do the locusts and frogs <laughs> arrive? Holy smokes. Uh, Blue Jackets, of course, are dark this week. The whole league is still in a shutdown mode and will be for some time. Uh, it's the COVID-19 virus. You'll tell your kids and grandkids about it someday. Um not much really has gone on since Tuesday at Blue Jackets land. We've still got some stories popping up, including later today, a, a long read on Vladislav Gavrikov and Sweet. some of the things that young Mr. Gavrikov has gone through in his, his career. He's already seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. And uh, he's been quite a player for the Blue Jackets. So that's up, and the content continues to to a roll at The Athletic. Um the CDC, maybe a week ago, informed the Blue Jackets and the rest of the league. Uh, actually, the CDC just made a, an announcement that none of these teams should expect to play for at least eight weeks. Uh, so that kind of gave the NHL a short-term, rather a long-term, how to put this best, an idea of what in the perfect scenario their return could be like. So... They basically started telling players at that point, we're 45 days out from even starting up, potentially starting up these sort of in-season training camps. 
if you want to go home, go home. And according to Jarmo Kekalainen, more than a few players uh, have taken that opportunity and did, in fact, go back home. Um, Allison, some Swedes. Ryan Murray went back to Canada. Some Swedes headed back home. Is that right? Yeah, it looks like um, this was through... uh credit to uh, Russian Machine Never Breaks, which is a Caps blog, um, but they're obviously following their players as well. And so I guess Andre Burakovsky um, and Marcus Johansson, I always get the Johanssons, Johansson screwed up, um, right. got a private jet and took a bunch of Swedes back to Europe. And uh, on there, we see Kevin Stenland, Gabriel Carlson, and Alexander Wenberg. So um, those guys are headed stateside for them. Uh, and... Uh, who knows who else has gone home, but I get it. I mean, I get wanting to be with more of your family and those you love at yeah. times like these. Yeah. Um, I, I think the Blue Jackets wanted their guys to stick around all these teams too. The, the concern, of course, is that when this starts back up again, they may not be able to get back. Right. Um, but being honest with you, just talking to a few players, I, I think there's more than a few players that don't think it's going to start up again. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, maybe that thought made it easier for them to head back. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, uh, Blue Jackets are continuing to do their work behind the scenes. There's some talk with guys whose contracts are up. I think they're working on a Gavrikov deal. Um, don't know how close that may be. There are other, you know, what do they do with Carson Meyer? Of course, the Ohio State player they drafted who had such a strong finish to his Ohio State career. Does he get an entry-level contract? Doesn't look that way right now. Um, but he was supposed to get a chance to play in the minors. Right. Uh, maybe to state his case uh, for an ELC. So we'll see where that goes as well. But Yarmo Kekalainen and Allison actually has his uh, staff watching film yeah. Yeah. of games. They're yeah. watching college free agents. They're breaking it down. They can't see a game live. So they're doing the next best thing. They are indeed. You know, it's it's interesting. It's something I've been poking around as well as, you know, how how do you make use of this time? Um, right. You know, it's it's not the ideal situation, but there is time now. And um, this could just be another interesting wrinkle in the ever pursued competitive advantage that each team is always looking for in terms of who's doing what um, and, and what that may or may not result in down the road for each organization. Yeah. So we told you all that we would take uh, questions and let you guys sort of dictate the conversation. We're going to do that. Um, we're going to go in no particular order, I don't think. I want to make sure we don't miss anything here. Um, so, yeah, we asked for your questions and we're going to we're going to take them. No <laughs> flinching. Here no we go. Dodging. Some of these are just for you, Allison. Yes. Um, even if not directed that way, they're clearly they're clearly coming at you. Ready for um, it. Bring it on. Yeah. As always. Right. Um, let's see. Rolling through the Rolodex. Oh, this is, you're going to love this one. I'm ready. Um, am I to say wowie or should I spell this out? Nope. Wowie is correct. Wowie. Uh, Hold on, please. From Tom. Yes. Tom Andrew Bowden. Perhaps Bowden. Uh, would be curious to hear what goes into the wow we stat with or without you, correct? Yeah, correct. 
I'm, I'm hearing you too in my ear. That's right. <laughs> uh, does it tease out whether or not a player's production is attributable to having strong line mates? So this is a great question. So let's start at the beginning. And Porty, since you weren't familiar with this one when we started talking, you can tell me if I stop making sense. So you can be okay. my, my barometer here. Do I need a ring, a buzzer? How do I do this? You just, you just it just flat out interrupt me. Just okay. bear right in. So I can do that. <laughs> so the we know that if you look at any stat, really, um, but in the advanced stat world, it's about, you know, shot attempts, um, or the prevention of shot attempts, um, we can measure those at a team level or at a player level. We can say when this player is on the ice, this is how many shot attempts the team gets versus when this player is not on the ice. So what Wowie does, it's with or without you. It allows you to say if Allison's on the ice by herself, the team she's playing for gets 50% of the shots. And when she's not on the ice, the team only gets 40% of the shots. So that would imply Allison helps drive offense, right? Good job, Allison. So, but then we can say, well, if Allison's on the ice, the team gets 50% of the shots. But if Allison and Aaron are on the ice, mm. the team gets 60% of the shots. Oh, so that's what a wowie stat does, is it uses that we can track who's on the ice and when, and what events happen on the ice when those players are on the ice to say what happens when these two players or these three players are on the ice. That being, does that make sense, Aaron? It does. Okay, it so does. that's what Wowie is. Um, and you can look at any number of stats, but the idea is how does the team perform with or without different players on the ice? So that's the idea, but it's actually not a great stat. Um, it's something that was probably on the forefront maybe four or five years ago because it's all we had. But we've gotten to a place with statistical models because what we're trying to do, as Tom says, is we're really trying to isolate what an individual player can do, right? So this was a very the beginnings of that. We now have much more advanced statistical models um, that allow us to look at a player's impact. Um, there's a measure called impact that you can find on hockeyviz.com that I really like that takes into consideration a lot of things that are happening on the ice, including score state, where the game is, what game it is, who's on the ice, who's coaching, how many games are played, um, who's the goaltender, all of these things and can really distill down a player's impact. Um, another stat, if you're really trying to understand player value from evolving hockey.com is either goals above replacement also called gar or wins above replacement war um, which if you follow baseball or some other sports that's a concept you're familiar with so if you're really trying to understand a player's individual production we want to steer away from wowie and go to some of the more advanced measures and if people are more interested in that do feel free to tweet at me or dm me or email me and, and i can direct you to exactly where you can find those numbers and steer way away from plus minus. Oh my God, please. I cry. <laughs> Which is the crude blunt force version of some of these numbers you're talking about. And I would like to say for the record, in an article yes. I shared again this morning, John Tortorella yes. is on the record as not liking plus minus as well. So I feel vindicated. <sighs> I find that Torts likes or dislikes numbers based upon their ability to strengthen his argument. <laughs> 
But his, it, hey, his rationale that day, that was when we were all in Vegas. His rationale yeah. was sound. It is. It's a crude number for sure. It is. It it's is. crude. And, yeah. the, and the reason we don't like it, in addition to the fact that, like, you could literally set up a play and then you step off the ice and then the puck goes in the net. You get no credit yeah. for that as plus minus. Right. Silly. You get no credit for special teams goals plus right. minus. And right. the but the biggest reason, the biggest, biggest reason is that we always are trying to use these values to predict or evaluate, right? Just like Tom said in his question. And there are so few goals in a season in a player's career that it's actually not very good statistically in terms of being relevant. That's why we use yeah. shots and shot attempts because there's just so many more. So it's just like if you flip a quarter, the more sure. times you flip a quarter, the closer you're going to get to 50-50 on heads versus tails. Correct. That's the biggest reason why plus minus sucks. You know what wow, What weirds me out, though? Tell me. Is statistically, if you flip a quarter nine times in a row and it's a head, there's, and I know that the next time you flip it, it's still 50-50. Correct. Heads, tails. I, I know that to be true. And yet there's a part of me that says bullshit. Right. It's much more likely to be tails because it has been heads nine times in a row. Right. And that's, but. And it's not, it's still 50, 50, but it, anyways, but, uh, we're getting way off the. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. But that's why you want to flip the coin more because then it's more yes. and more likely to even out or regress to the mean as we like to say, Porty. Yes. Right. 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 Uh, here's one from Kevin McChesney. Who says, what is the best lineup of all the CBJ players to ever suit up you could put together? Oh, we did this, didn't we, last summer? Yeah, well, Remember? sort of, yeah. 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 Now, the question here, the difficult thing is, is it the best? So, in other words, Sergei Fedorov has to be the best player who's ever played for this organization. But while he played for the organization, he wasn't the full Sergei Fedorov. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? I do. So, I mean, Rick Nash is the left winger. Probably. Panarin, you put him on the right? Or do you go Nash on the right, Panarin on the left? Uh, Panarin on the left, for sure. And put Nash on the right? Yep. You're moving Nash. Yep. I think Panarin's Panarin's, the stronger player. Panarin's here two years. You're moving Nash. He's still the better player. Do you have Fedorov in the middle? Ooh. Johansson? Hmm. Mm. Johansson, I think, just in terms of what the player was at the time they wore the sweater. Yeah, and we're just going to do a line, a defensive pair, and a goalie, I think. Okay. I think the top two defensemen would be Orensky jones No question. Agree completely. Yeah. I mean, Tootin was here a long time, did some nice stuff. A couple guys had some big years. Wisniewski had a big year. Yep. Uh, Spotcheck had some nice years, but I don't. there's no way any of those guys bumped these two, and it's got to be Bob, right? Yes. I mean, it's got to be Bob. No, I just had. Bob. Well, you you have to think back to Mason's rookie year. I just had. I just had to allow yeah. for consideration. But yes. Yeah. Bob Brovsky. Yeah, and so like Ray Whitney's getting bumped. But Borny's getting bumped. There's a few guys getting bumped. Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson's getting bumped. But I think it's got to be those. I think that's your starting six. I would agree. Who's your coach, Allison? Gotta be towards, yeah. My opinion, yeah. I mean, mo- most wins, most games. Best quotes. Pretty good argument. Best quotes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Hitch real. had some pretty good. 
That's some pretty good days in there, too. It's true. It's true. Uh, Jim Pfeiffer, good long friend of the program, says, if the OHL ends up canceling this season, they already have, by the way, yep. and the NHL finds a way to resume, would Liam Foody be available to play in the NHL playoffs? The answer is yes, he would. Uh, so the Blue Jackets could get Steph Jones back. They could get Oliver Bjorkstrand back, perhaps Texier back, perhaps Kukan. And yes, they could have had Liam Foody because his season with the OHL is over. So that's certainly not the most important crisis that this world faces right now. But if the blue, if the if this uh, if the league can get past this and still save some of its season, yes, that could that could all come to pass. Um, let's see here, Tim Kresman. Uh, well, he's. He's trying to think of a good animal question. Let's move on to Fred Slater. Uh, this is another one for you, Allison. I love the expected goal stat and probability of a particular shot resulting in a goal. I want to know what all is considered. Just location on the ice? Odd man rush? Lift on shot? One-timer versus otherwise? Need for goalie to move across the crease, etc.? Thanks, Allison. Yep, this is a great question because, as with any stat, um, it's important to know what it's using and also what it's not yet able to use. So let's remember that these stats are all based on publicly available information. So what we have publicly available today is we have shot location, shooter, goaltender, who's in the net, game state, meaning is it special teams, is it power, you know, what have you, uh, score state, time left in the game, um, and we can do some approximations for, um, we have an angle, and we can do some approximations for rebound, but it's important to understand that that's not, we can't actually track a rebound. We can only track, like, this shot came within this small interval of time at this location on the ice, so we're going to assume it's a rebound, right? Um, and we can track type of shot. So those are the variables that are being used. All the other stuff that is mentioned there is awesome, and I would love for it to be included. But again, we can't get that yet. So we, we can't track. It's not tracked by the league. Is it an odd man rush? We can't track what the goaltender is actually doing in the net. That would be awesome. And it would be assumed that when player tracking data comes out, we're going to be able to include some of those things if that data is made public. So we can only use what's public. And of course, this is why for people who followed kind of the issue with some of the problems and errors in the tracking data to start the season, right now, so much of this data is tracked by a human being. So there is still an element of, of human error going into all of this. And again, tracking should hopefully really help get these things far more accurate. But yes, Fred, I love it too. I think it's a big step forward from just shot count. Excellent. Uh, this is from another longtime friend of the program, Kyle Aziz. Gut feeling, who is the goaltender for the CBJ at the start of next season? Elvis, Corpy, or both? <sighs> exactly. Um, if I had to pick one, well, you know what, let me put it this way. I think it's 40% likely it's Merz Leakins. Okay. 30% likely it's Corpy, and 30% likely it's both of them. Interesting. Yes. Your thoughts? I would probably up the likelihood on both, 
partially because I think that's the proper move. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, again, this season didn't get to finish out, and I think that would have been, at least right now, and I think that would have been important to answer this question. I just feel like right now, um, particularly because they're both affordable players, even on what their next contracts will be, and because they're both good, unless there is some sort of insane trade that involves one of them, I think it's going to be both. And I do agree with you, however, that if they, if I had to lean towards one, I would lean towards Elvis. Interesting. So just a little background. They're both RFAs this summer. Right. Um, there's a deal on the table, or at least there's been negotiations with Merzlikens. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps there have been with Corpusalo. Unsure of that. Um, there's going to be a market for goaltenders this summer. There's going to be some guys moving too, though. Braden Holtby of Washington right. almost certainly is moving on. Um, what do the Rangers do? Henrik Lundqvist is going to go somewhere. Uh, if he doesn't, one of their other guys is going to go somewhere. Uh, probably Georgiev. Um, what's the market? So you look back a few years, Corey Schneider with New Jersey, and I know he is where he is right now, but he was a big deal six, seven years ago. Uh, was for like two or three years a backup in Vancouver and had like a 920 save percentage. It was a big deal. The Canucks were able to trade him to New Jersey, I think, for the ninth overall pick. Mm. Uh, they took Bo Horvat that year. That probably Schneider had has a little bit more currency than, than either of these guys have right now. But I think that's a decent barometer. So, so shoot a little bit less than, than, um, than what Schneider got. And I think the Blue Jackets, if if the goalie has moved just by himself, could probably expect a mid to late first round draft pick, or at least one hell of a prospect, or a pretty good forward. You wonder if Toronto feels like they need to make right. a move. If Kasperi Kapanen is a guy, you wonder if. If the Blue Jackets could put a goalie and a forward, perhaps Josh Anderson together, uh, for a Nylander type, that's an interesting trade to me. Yeah. Um, what do they do with with their defense? You know, do they want to help Toronto in all three of those areas? Could they put a defenseman, a forward, and a goaltender together for Nylander? Perhaps. Um, so that's those are among the things that could happen. This summer, I do think they move a goalie. I do think, I think they try to move a goalie. I think it's got to be the right deal. I don't think, yeah, I think they do it just to do it. Right. Um, but I, I think this is going to be a summer of trades for the Blue Jackets, where last year was a summer of, of free agencies. Oh yeah. Um, Adam Sand says, assuming the season restarts, the Blue Jackets will be relatively healthy. Not touch wood there, Adam. Right. <laughs> uh, what playoff position do you see them realistically making a run at? Well. I mean, let's just confront the the possibility here that this season could restart, and if they take eight teams on each side, the Blue Jackets almost certainly would not be part of that. I think the Blue Jackets, as an organization, are prepared to not be a part of that uh, because the team, the league, would go points percentage. Now, Allison, that seems the fairest. I mean, just being honest, that seems the only real fair, equitable way to do this. Points percentage, because you can't penalize a team that didn't play as many games as you did. But the flip side of this is you're saying, not you, <laughs> but by, by making this policy, um, 
you're saying that the New York Islanders, who had lost seven games in a row, 04 and 3 before the break, before the virus, um, were going to for, probably going to win one of those next two games and jump over the Blue Jackets. Well, and if you look at our own Dom Lucicians, he's kind of virtually playing out the games every day. Yeah. The Jackets are actually. They're on fire. Exceeding expectations. Yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, I, I mean, part of me, you, let's be real here, you kind of want a degree of difficulty just to let the Jackets get a shot after all the crap they went through I mean, <laughs> this right. season. Um, and, you know, it, to your point of you can't penalize the Islanders because they've played fewer games, but you're penalizing the Blue Jackets because they did have a tougher schedule early. I mean, look at these stretches where it was however many games in however many days, right? Like, so I, I have to think that I, I would like to hope that if the league does resume and if there is a playoff, that it's it's a bigger field than eight and eight just to start. Even if it's just a play-in game or something like that, I feel like it can't just be straight eight by, by yeah. any, even by standings now, to be honest. Um, yeah. But I think it's going to have to be a bigger field. The problem with this is, of course, is this, if they can't get going until mid-May, the last thing on earth they can do is make the playoffs take longer. True, but they can shorten rounds. I mean, they could do plans. They could shorten rounds. I mean, my gosh, 1,500 people have a, their opinion on what the playoff scenario can look like. So That's right. I, I just no, – no one's – not everyone's going to be happy no matter what they do, but not everyone's ever happy no matter what they do. And I think, I think to just go by some straight rule and draw a line is probably the least fair way – of all the options they could have available to them. I wonder if they might just not even take eight. Uh, that's an interesting pr- proposition, if they, too. If they get to mid to late May and say, look, we're just going to do the final two rounds, top four go in. Right. That's interesting. I mean, again, someone's going to be not happy. Right. Um, yeah. And the one thing, we've been saying this from the start, and, and the league sort of went out there with it publicly for the first time, a few days ago, the one thing they don't want to do is take from next season to force some sort of right. finish to this season. Right. Like they they want to get all everything thrown into this year and just let all the bad happen here and not take away from next year. So right. Um, let's see here from Mike Ferguson. Uh, what this is, uh, Mike Ferguson at work in ferg that's a pretty good handle uh who do you see as the four centers going forward when everyone is healthy and is that still considered a big need Mm, good question so dubois jenner wenberg nash right sure the fifth option dubois jenner wenberg nash well i mean shore's not under contract yeah i I mean i I think he's well, he's an RFA but I think this guy might mean like if they if they're playing again this season. Oh, okay. I see. Um yeah, probably. That's yeah. Pro- but you know what they they were playing around with and I don't hate Wenberg on Dubois' wing. Yeah, he was playing there. Yeah. yeah. So then to right. your point, sure slots in. So uh, like, uh, oh, here we go. Allison question. Like expected goal or optimal position? 
Can someone help Ryan Murray with advanced stats to stop breaking his hand? Ba-boom. But seriously, is anyone using analytics to prevent injuries? This is from Krista Readout at Krista Readout. Allison, can analytics be used to prevent injuries? I mean, and, and Ryan Murray only broke his hand once, correct? I think, I think it was twice. He broke it again this year, didn't he? Yeah. Two. No, said, Andrew Peet broke his hand. Didn't Murray do something with his hand this year? I don't even know. I don't even know. Anyway, um, no, um, analytics can't help us identify injuries in the sense of on-ice analytics. I think that what isn't yet explored um, publicly, at the very least, is some very interesting work that Nelson Iote, um, the high-performance director for the Blue Jackets, is doing in terms of preparing and maintaining players' fitness levels. Um, I think that could be some really compelling analytical work just in terms of maintaining the body and maintaining, maintaining high performance. But, you know, again, so many of the injuries that the Blue Jackets and, and even Ryan Murray faced, these were not things that could have been prevented. These were broken bones. These were, <laughs> these were incidences that oh. no matter how good of a shape you're in or, or what have you, that there's no preventing that. So we can look at some measures of fitness. Um, there's a, I wrote an article last summer about how the Blue Jackets measure speed um, that kind of goes into some of the work that Nelson did. Um, and I can share that again if people are interested. But yeah, it's not, it's not an on-ice, for this team in particular, it's not an on-ice situation that's, that's leading to injury. And I would, I'm, I've been wondering for a while now, when does, and this would make the old-timers Oh, roll their eyes or roll around in their in their graves, but the NBA has guys taking games off all the time. Oh yeah, load management. At the end of the season, load management. Big fan. And, Big fan. And, and the NHL's sort of answer to load management is maybe play that defenseman twenty two minutes instead of twenty five minutes one night. Right. They just don't do it. Um, I wonder if you know there there has been all sorts of research into this, like. Would it benefit guys to take games off? Yeah. Would it benefit teams for guys to take games off and maybe play 68 to 72 games a year instead of 82? Um, I would be interested to see where that goes. But I, yeah, I'm a big fan of load management in, in terms of the science of it, but it's interesting. I had a conversation with a former player um, a couple weeks ago, and I asked him, I said, you know, we all – bitch and moan about the schedule, what really is the ideal amount of time off for a player, from a play, from your perspective as a former player? And um, it was two players, and they both said to me, they're like, if you have more than two days off, it's almost, they don't want more than two days off between right. games. So I thought that was an interesting counter to the concept of load management. Yeah, there's a rhythm of it. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Such it's such a feel game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Leonard Farrell at LJF one oh one seven says, What to make of Gabriel Carlson? Boy, this is a question that's bopped around nationwide arena for a while. Yeah. A depth piece, top six at some point, trade piece. Um I mean I think at this point, depth piece, so therefore not trade piece. Right. Um, 
It's amazing where this kid has gone because if you remember a few years ago, he got a baptism by fire in the Pittsburgh series. Right. Had big, big, big plans for him. Right. And then this year he's just, I mean, wow, has he been jumped over on the depth chart. Gavrikov passed him. I mean, Harrington has stayed above him. Peak jumped over him. I mean, there's been a just a slew of they even um, Adam Clendenning played it up last year ahead of him. Yeah, it's um, he's clearly a guy that the organization wants more from. Yeah, and I don't know what I, he's one of those guys that's got a big frame. Mm-hmm. I could see another team having interest in him as a sweetener, but I don't. I don't, certainly don't see him as as a, a trade piece that brings you back something of significance at this point, just the way the last couple of years have gone for him. Do you agree, Allison? I do. I think that's that's it. And I th- it's it's problematic because with the call-up rules, you know, he was stuck with the Blue Jackets even, even now when he wasn't playing um, post-trade deadline. So we really haven't seen him play to know where his game is at at this point either, you know? But I yeah. agree with, with your assessment. Uh, J. Russ, uh, Jimbo... Jimbo Slice 316 says, what can the Blue Jackets do to change the perception of Columbus so that big free agents will give the Blue Jackets more consideration? It seems like winning or offering more money isn't enough. Um, well, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I think winning has to be a bigger part of the equation. Columbus has won. Uh, they've, been, they've been a competitive team, certainly, the last few years. But they've never they've never won a division. They've never been um, a, a certainly a sustained power in the National Hockey League. They've never been a a market where a free agent can say, "I'm going there because I know I can win." And so I think there's still work to do in that regard. Mm-hmm. There's certainly have come a long, long way. Mm-hmm. Um, the city. I think the players who play here like the city, the players who don't play here hear good things about the city, but it doesn't, it doesn't, the mid, look, look, Midwestern cities don't wow people. Right. They just don't. And, 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 and I don't mean that as a slight, I love Columbus and people who live here typically love Columbus. People who visit here for conventions or whatever typically are blown away by it. It's like Indianapolis. Indianapolis is a great town. But it's not. It doesn't have the the sexy curb appeal that these other big markets have, especially for young players with a ton of money. I've said this before. Folk, most folks can get whatever they want and more in Columbus, Ohio. But there are things that just that are not on the menu in Columbus that are on the menu in Manhattan, and Los Angeles, and Toronto. These huge cities with lots and lots and lots of millionaires. Right. It's stuff that we can't even think of most of us um so it's it's that kind of stuff it's never going to be seen I shouldn't say never but it's not going to be seen as this cosmopolitan hotbed um but it's a, everybody you talk you know panarin didn't leave columbus because he hated columbus right he left because he wanted to live in new york bobrovsky had not had loved columbus he didn't leave had nothing to do with the city matt duchene's like the best travel agent columbus has right I now i mean <laughs> Right. I hope he does. I hope he's on Yelp because that can only help. <laughs> that can 
can only help Columbus. There, I don't know anybody who left Columbus because Columbus was too boring right. for them or didn't feel that need for them. Again, it's not the most exciting. Anything could happen at 4 a.m., but these guys don't live that lifestyle. Many of them anyways, they can't. Not, well, not the way the game's played. Well, and I think, too, I mean, I would wager that there's a place in the country for everyone where when you went there, you were shocked at what it was compared to what you thought it was. Yes. Right? Um, a simple example even is Traverse City, where the Blue Jackets hold their prospect tournament every year. The first time I went up there, I was like, oh, boy, you know, what's this going to be? I love Traverse City. Mm-hmm. I love going up there. But I would have never, ever, ever, ever had the perception of Traverse City of what it is. And to your point, I think that, you know, my, my husband is not from Columbus, and, and he says, you know, you never want to visit Columbus, but you want to live in Columbus. Yeah. You know, that's... It's just not a city that people know. And I don't think the Blue Jackets, I don't think that the Blue Jackets have done something wrong. I don't think Columbus has done something wrong. And like you said with Panarin, I don't think that the free agents that left this area last year, that it had anything to do with shunning the city of Columbus. So, um, you know, it's, to your point, they can win more. But a, a thing that's gone unnoticed, I think, is that Columbus is not an organization where, gosh, what was it even four or five years ago? It was you had to overpay a free agent to come here. And, and I feel like that narrative is, is expired. So, you know, for the best thing this organization did was in the playoffs last year. Everyone was pay, is paying attention to Columbus. And then to put on top of it what they did this year, I mean, I think that that draws notice that this is an organization, not just a couple players that can be fun to play with and that can make some noise. And I think that's going to matter. Yeah. I think players honestly look for more of a roster fit than they do a city fit for free agency. Cause where you live during the season is almost, I don't want to say irrelevant. Well, you're not really there. Matters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're there, you're there for half of the time because you're traveling all the time. But even when you're, even on nights where you're off, you're not, you're not, you know, driving around town you're not enjoying the city as a typical young 23 year old would because you got a game the next day um yeah so i, I don't know I, I mean they they signed gustav nyquist last year he certainly they lost more than they gained in free agency i get that yeah um and i you know i don't know that they're going to outbid the rangers the kings right. the leafs these sort of but it, it takes years to get there. If, if if this league comes to recognize the Blue Jackets as a place where you can win and you can win a Stanley Cup, and honestly, I don't think they've ever been seen in that prism. They've right. gotten better. But I don't think people see them as a Stanley Cup favorite. Right. Um, then, yeah, I think free agents would be easier to bring to town. Stuff changes all the time. When I first started covering this league, Chicago was a has always been a great city to live in. It's a terrible place to play. Right. Nobody went to the games. Like it was a it was a cheap organization. I mean, the players don't go don't love Nashville because they hang out on Broadway all the time. Right. The players are rarely seen on Broadway. Not the Predators. Uh, they live there. Um, so it's it's yeah it's more of the roster fit and the can you win the Stanley Cup there. Well, and that's that's what I think. That's why I think this year was significant. Is you know we heard rumbles of there was player concern because of who left last year. Like what's yeah. left there, and I think that what this group did 
was address a lot of that um, yeah. because it they way outperformed the national narrative. And I think the players who were afraid to go post Panarin, post Bob, and that might be overstating it. It's it's a there's a different respect level now for for the group that's here, the quote unquote core that's here versus what maybe people thought it was. Yeah, I honestly think one of the one of the issues that that probably weighs higher in a player's mind than the city, the weather, the traffic, the neighborhoods, this kind of stuff, is how players feel like they're treated by an organization. For sure. And right or wrong, whose ever fault it is, when players have issues with management and leave and it's ugly, that that puts up red flags to players, I think, more than where, where a team is located on the map. Well, look at even two. I mean, whoever did the player poll for us at the athletic this year, Florida was one of the, or no, excuse me. It was the agent poll, but it was, they were saying that players don't want to go to Florida because yeah. of how the players are treated. Who, who would think that? Right. And it, yeah. it like, to your point, it had nothing to do with crowds or haha. There's no one there. It was that they didn't like the way the players were treated. So yeah, it can be a, a variety of things. Yeah. Players have to have hope. Yeah. They have to. Um, so yeah, that was a long answer to a good question from, <laughs> from J Russ. Um, let's see here. Uh, Brett Sidoric says, if the season ended up being over, or if the Blue Jackets do not make the playoffs, what does your gut feel in terms of off-season moves? Personally, I feel, I think another game-breaker should be a priority. Uh, thanks for the question, Brett. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they need, an, they need a uh, forward, they need forward depth, forward skill, forward talent. I think they've got pieces to get it. He mentioned earlier goaltender, uh, either Corpusalo or Merzlikens, a defenseman they can trade, and Josh Anderson may well be on uh, the block as well. Um, Allison, let's see here. Question for you. Um, if I'm thinking about Anderson correctly this offseason, can he just sign the qualifying offer this year and be a free agent next year? I feel like that is the worst case scenario for the Jackets. What do you think is a good compromise for both sides? Five to six years, 5.5 million, perhaps? Justin Rhodes wonders. Hmm. Well, let's go look at our friends at Evolving Hockey who've put up some contract projections. I, I agree. I think that the the qualifying offer is the worst case scenario for the organization. And uh, Porty has written on that. Um, if you haven't read that article, I definitely encourage you to do that. So Evolving Hockey has... Josh Anderson most likely to sign a two-year contract, a 33% chance to sign a two-year contract with a $2.7 million cap hit. That's what's most likely. That doesn't mean that's what will happen, but I am with you that I think, I have, I have gone on the record that I think at this point, if the organization likes the player, the organization should say, here's term, here's a more than fair number. If the player turns it down, go down one year. And if it gets to the point that the player doesn't want to be in Columbus long-term, then yes, they have to look at, at moving the player yeah. versus a short-term contract. Right, and, and that's the question. I don't, I don't think it's – first of all, this, the season that Josh Anderson has had throws a wrinkle into – Totally. The, the negotiation, the negotiating process. If he had 27 goals again, the number would probably start with a six or a seven per year. Yep. 
and would be as big as he wanted it. Now the question is, do the Blue Jackets just say, hey, rough year, needs to get his shoulder fixed, we move on? Or I can't imagine they do it quite that cavalierly. Um, so what is a fair number? And the bigger question is, does Josh Anderson want to be here right. long term? He says he does. Like, we'll take him at his word. Um, but the actions are going to speak louder than those words soon enough. I don't think the, the Blue Jackets do not want – he may take the qualifying offer. Yeah. He may file for arbitration. And if all of those things come to pass, it doesn't mean he's staying here. If those things come to pass, it likely means they couldn't get a long-term deal done. Right. And it almost certainly means it's going to be traded because there's no way that the team can just allow another significant player to just simply walk away. Right. At the end of a season. So. Totally. Um, Allison, I think that about covers it. Thanks for all those questions. There's a few we couldn't get to. We'll we'll, uh, we'll do better next time. Um, anything else we need to get to, Allison? Yeah, I just uh, we've all shared this on Twitter for those of you who are there, but uh, most of us have are finding ourselves with a lot more time on our hands and a lot less sports to take in. So um, we're sharing some articles that we've written in the past. Maybe you didn't get a chance to read and. Uh, the Athletic, if you're not a subscriber, um, The Athletic is offering a 90-day free trial. Um, days. Also, feel free to maybe share an article we've written with a friend of yours who's not a subscriber. They can have a 90-day free trial. So um, let us know what you want to hear from us. Let us know what stories you want to see. And um, we'll keep trying to, to bring good content out to, to maybe divert your mind from some of the stress that we're all feeling and uh, give you a break and keep you up to date with uh, the quality storytelling that we like to try and do. So uh, hopefully you'll stick with us. Yeah, please do. And thanks to our producer, Adam Gracia. Thanks to David Cook for our lead in music as always. And Allison will be back together on Tuesday. Perhaps we can rope Tom Reed in for the conversation. Amazing. And his dog as well. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.